with all the news at all, whether it's local or national news, we see a repeated pattern of very similar stories. The names perhaps are changed, the locations changed a bit, but the same thing happens again and again. We'll hear a story of some in traffic engaging in just utter road rage, screaming at one another, or worse, because of some incident in their cars. Or you may see in the news a story of someone who's going through you know, the drive through lane at some fast food restaurant and their order was mixed up. And they're railing against the person inside or worse. Recently it's been on the airlines where we see again and again stories of you know, near riots on an airplane. Anger, rage seems to be everywhere. And as we watch these stories, if you're like me, we look and we see foolishness. When we watch it happen, we think, what were they thinking? Why would they do that? It's so easy to see the foolishness of others. But of course, the question is, what about us and our anger. If I'm honest, I look back across the decades of my life, I see again and again in my life sinful, foolish anger. And I'm guessing most of us in the room could identify with that. So today we're going to go around the room and we're going to, actually no, we're not going to do that. But if we did, we all would have stories we could tell of recent and way in the past Foolish, destructive anger. And the question really is, is that just how life has to be? Is that just the pattern that we're each destined to? Or is there any hope for us when it comes to destructive, foolish anger? So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Proverbs 14. Uh, near you, there's a Bible. You'd love for you to open up or open up a Bible app just so you can see the text in front of you today. You can see exactly where I'm drawing these thoughts from. So today we'll be in Proverbs 14, 29. So when the Bible's near you, you can find it on page 538. Page 538, Proverbs 14, 29. We're continuing our series in the book of Proverbs. As I mentioned, a number of the topics addressed in Proverbs are not grouped together in a single chapter, but are spread across a number of chapters. So this, this morning we'll move around to some of those. Uh, you're welcome to follow me when I allude to those other and turn to those in the Bible, or you might just want to write those down so you can look at them later and see where I'm drawing these thoughts from. So Proverbs 14, verse 29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Today, as we look at Proverbs, we're going to see that our sinful anger is foolish and destructive. So we instead want to choose the path of wise restraint. Our sinful anger is foolish and destructive, so we instead want to choose the path of wise restraint. And so we'll look at today at two different ways of responding to our anger. First, the way of sinful anger, and then second, the way of wise restraint. 
So the way of sinful anger, the way of wise restraint. And so today we think about this common reality of anger. As I mentioned, it's common to every one of us. It impacts our lives in countless ways, week in and week out. And we'll see in a few moments that the Bible does not say that all anger is sinful. So it'll be important that we keep that in mind and we make note of that. But we also should admit that very likely the vast majority of my anger and your anger is sinful. So not all anger is sinful, but most of our anger is sinful. And we see in our text today that sinful anger is foolish. Look at verse 29. He who has a hasty temper exalts folly. So the one who gives in to sinful anger, the one who gives in to his temper is being unwise. Friends, we need to see and feel the weight of this. That a life marked by regular sinful anger is a foolish life. If my life is regularly marked by sinful anger, I am being a fool. And I wonder if we believe that is true. Anger so often turns someone who's often wise and reasonable, into a fool. We also see that sinful anger is often lacking in restraint. Proverbs 29, 11 says it this way. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So again, we see sinful anger portrayed as foolish, but here he emphasizes the unrestrained nature of this anger. The one who gives full vent to his spirit. The one who open wides the vent to let all of this anger, all of the fire within come out. And we saw this same idea in 1429 where he called it a hasty temper. Now we sometimes say, well, I just need to vent. Or I'm just venting right now. As if to excuse our sinful anger. Now, there's certainly a place for us to, to think through, and at times we do need to express our thoughts and our frustrations and maybe even our anger, but, but this full vent of it, we're told, is sinful. It's unwise. Sinful anger also leaves behind it a trail of damage and destruction. Listen to Proverbs 29, 22. A man of wrath, or a man of anger stirs up strife, and when given to anger, causes much transgression. So anger causes significant danger or damage, and it shows up in a variety of areas. One, sinful anger impacts our own heart and soul. He says, one given to anger causes much transgression. When I engage in a pattern of ongoing sinful anger, it undermines my spiritual health. And so often, as in other areas, one sin leads to another. So I'm angry, and it leads me to lie. I'm angry, it leads me to gossip. So one sin leads to another. And in time, if I'm not engaging in authentic repentance, it leads to a hardening of my conscience. It leads to a coldness of my heart. And a sense of distance 
in my relationship with God, which then leads us back into this cycle of anger. So I wonder if there are ways that you could identify with that today, perhaps a hardening of your conscience or coldness of your heart. Sinful anger often also impacts our work and school interactions. So we get angry at our coworkers, our fellow students. We get angry at our boss, or our supervisor, or you're the boss or the supervisor. You get angry at those who are under you. And sometimes perhaps we hold it in for a time, but eventually it comes out in explosive anger. Maybe to the person we're angry at. Maybe sideways to other employees if we can't say it to the one who's over us. Or we go home to a roommate or a family member and it comes out towards them. And whether we realize it or not, this anger we feel and show in time undermines trust in our relationships. The people around us begin to doubt our character because of the nature of our anger. And depending on the scale of your anger, people even begin to avoid you or fear you to keep their distance. So are there ways in your life that your sinful anger has impacted other students, impacted coworkers, impacted the, those that you have authority over? Sinful anger also very often impacts our relationships, as we know so well. It so easily damages friendships. For often as we grow in friendship, we feel more willing to share more and more of who we truly are with this person. And that's good and right. That is a deepening friendship. But as we show more and more of who we are, what we begin to show in time is our angry side as well. So whereas early in the friendship, perhaps we would not lash out at our friend, but now they receive the force of our unrestrained anger. Our closest friends become the ones who endure our anger the most. Author Alistair Grove says it this way. Alistair uh, spoke to our fall retreat a few years ago, and we talked about emotions. So he's written a helpful book, and here's what he says. Those who live in a regular state of anger feeling morally superior and punishing those who disagree, end up driving people away until the angry person stands alone at the center of a relationship circle of scorched earth. People feel nervous in the presence of anger, pulling back for fear of critique, judgment, and attack, and this, in turn, irritates the angry person who feels abandoned and unfairly judged. Friends, we've all seen this. And maybe it's happened to you. That your anger has boiled over again and again so that people, so many people, have progressively distanced themselves from you. Our anger certainly can deeply impact and harm our marriages. Here, too, we show a side of ourselves that may be rarely seen in public. And here, sometimes because of familiarity and proximity. Instead of restraint, we give ourselves permission to let all of our anger out. And our spouse then receives this fire from our sinful anger. And the one that we love the most 
is the one that we hurt in the deepest way. Anger easily also shows up in parenting as well. Being a parent is a, is a massive and a wonderful blessing and a great responsibility and also a source of stress to us. That's the reality. We're trying to love and shape these little people who don't always do what we want them to do, have, have a mind and a heart of their own. And so our patience is stressed to the point of breaking. We're exhausted. We, we lose our comfort, our enjoyment, and as parents, we lash out at our kids. We explode. Often not even about them, but something else, but they're the ones who catch the brunt of it. Sometimes our anger impacts relationships of life together in the church. So by God's grace, we're a family together in close relational proximity. And so at times we frustrate, at times we offend, at times we hurt, and then anger shows up in how we relate to one another. And then all across our society, we see again and again anger show up. Neighbor, angry at neighbor. You put up this sign, I like this sign. People of one political persuasion, angry, even within the same political outlook. You're just not committed as I am. Of course, the, the pandemic has led to great anger. Back and forth online on social media with complete strangers. We, we let them make us so angry and we argue with them. We have no idea who they are. And yet we argue. I don't know that I'd say that things are worse than they have been. I don't know. But I would say that our society does seem to be increasingly angry at every level of society. And sinful anger even impacts our physical health. It can impact our, our blood pressure. It can increase the likelihood of a stroke or a heart attack and, and numerous other physical manifestations. And friends, the challenge today as we think about anger, much like previous weeks, is that we, we can so easily see this in the lives of others. So in just our, our time so far, you have a list of people in your life who struggle with sinful anger. But it's so tempting to hear it on their behalf instead of hearing it for yourself. So are you willing to examine where sinful anger is a part of your life? Now sometimes we try to convince ourselves and others that, that it's not anger by calling it another name. So we say, well, no, 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 I'm not angry. I'm just really frustrated. I'm not angry right now. I'm just really annoyed. When often the fact is that, no, we are quite angry. Often, sinfully, angry. Sometimes we justify our anger by attributing it to uh, our personality type. So we say, no, I'm just a spirited person. I'm just a very emotional person. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I'm just a, the sort of person who speaks my mind. Or we might even say, well, I'm just real and authentic. And so a part of realness is showing you the rawness of who I am. But friends, all those ultimately are excusing the venting of my sinful anger. So yes, we may have different personalities. There, there are some ways that God has made us, but I cannot use that as an excuse to cover my anger. For others of us, we may uh, attribute it to our family background. We say, look, everyone in my family, we just have hot tempers. And so that's just who we are. 
We scream, scream at each other, and then we make up, and then everything's fine. Or my parents yelled at me, so I yell at my kids. That's just what we do. Or it's certainly true that what we saw and experienced has a formative impact on us. That's certainly true. But it is not true that that excuses my sinful anger. It is not true that I have to continue in that same pattern. And friends, sometimes we live with our anger so long that we honestly don't see it as sinful anger because it's just normal for us. We've been sinfully angry so many times, it's hard to imagine a week without it. It's like a person perhaps with, with diabetes, but who hasn't been diagnosed. They've just gotten used to living with these ups and downs of their blood sugar. And so it is with our anger. Just all we've ever known. And as we think about anger, we want to be mindful that not all anger looks alike. Some of it, as we've seen in our text, is, is this outward venting fire. And that's often how it shows up. But it's certainly possible for us to hold our anger in. And maybe that's you, that, that no one around you ever actually knows that you're angry. But you're actually not restraining it in a healthy way. You do keep it in, but it's consuming you. It just eats you alive. And though you would never say to your coworker, in your mind, you're having that fight. She said this, I said that. She said this, I said, oh, and I just really, I won that one. Playing out these arguments. So it's not that you're not angry. Yes, you're restrained enough not to say it out loud, but it's raging within. And so, friends, the question for all of us is, will we admit, yes, I struggle with sinful anger at times. It's not easy to look in the mirror. It causes the question, like, is there any hope for us? But, friends, the good news is there is an alternative. There is another way, and that brings us second to we see the way of wise restraint. The way of wise restraint. We don't have to endure a life of destructive, sinful anger that hurts us and hurts those around us. Instead, look back at 1429. He starts, whoever is slow to anger, has great understanding. So here's the better way, the way of wisdom, the way of health, and that is being slow to anger. And notice that the call isn't a life without any anger at all. Because, as I mentioned, anger is not by itself by nature, sinful. In fact, there's a way that anger can be good and right and even godly. For we see in the scriptures that God himself is slow to anger, but does at times get angry, and he is perfect and sinless. So therefore, anger cannot be by its very nature be sinful. During Jesus' earthly ministry, we see him get angry at times, but he never sinned. So we see a, a purity, a rightness to some anger. Tim Keller says it this way, in its uncorrupted origin, anger is actually a form of love. It is how we respond to whatever threatens someone or something we care about. 
We see someone we love harmed. We respond in righteous anger. Sometimes it is that we're caring about ourselves. We respond in anger, often unrighteous. So we see in Jesus, in his anger, a love for people and how he saw them being mistreated that led to his anger at those who were mistreating the weak. And so, friends, it's possible for us to experience and react in an anger that is good and righteous, that's even godly. Author David Powelson says it this way, What is anger? It's the way we react when something we think important is not the way it's supposed to be. Anger is the justice emotion. Anger is the deliver the oppressed from evil emotion. It stems from the love of the needy. Alistair Groves says it this way, because anger can harness enormous energy. It has the capacity to vastly reduce the darkness of our broken world by righting wrongs and protecting the myriad fragile good things around us. Anger is right to say that some things are terribly wrong. Anger at its best communicates protective love for what God loves. So, for instance, it is good and right for God's people to speak up against slavery and say, no, image barriers should not be enslaved. It is good and right for God's people to speak up against human trafficking and say, no, that's not acceptable. It's good and right for, for God's people to speak up against all sorts of injustices because image bearers are being impacted. So that's a righteous anger when we stand up in that way. That's necessary for God's people. And yet, it's hard to stay on the path of righteous anger. It's so easy to have a righteous cause, a righteous beginning, but in time to wander from it. So I can think about situations in the past that happened to, to our kids that were unjust and where we responded I think appropriately with righteous anger. But if this afternoon I spent too much time thinking on that, mulling on that, my heart, my mind would move away from righteous anger. It would move to things like vengeance. I want to get revenge for this. That was wrong. It leads to a sinful response. So yes, there is a right and godly place for righteous anger, but we still have to be careful, friends. It's so easy to have a righteous cause, but eventually to wander from it in our anger. And so we're called in our text to be slow to anger. And friends, except in rare circumstances, we'll want to take time to consider, to discern, maybe even to seek counsel, what should the response be here? Now, it's certainly true that sometimes you don't have time to be slow to anger. So let's say you're outside today and you see someone abducting a child. One, that should make you angry. And two, you don't have to be slow to anger. You run after to rescue, right? There's not opportunity to be slow to anger. But if we're honest, most of our life is not like that. So we want to be slow, discerning, careful. And we see the value of it in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. 
Listen to what he says. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So this is true maturity. This is true wisdom to not be captive to our emotions. To not be driven by my anger. Instead, I have the capacity to control, to restrain, to slow down. Alistair Groves helpfully says it this way, when you're angry, slow down. You will almost never go wrong by pausing before you act when you're angry. Anger in the raw, like radioactive uranium, is deadly unless harnessed with exquisite caution. If you bring it out into the open without careful preparation, you will poison everything within a 10-mile radius. I think that's a helpful image to remember. With care and time, it can be rightly used, but without it, it wipes out everything in its path. So friend, how often is your life marked not by being slow to anger, but instead a quick temper, a short fuse? And when we slow down, we're often wise to choose not to respond at all. Listen to Proverbs 19, 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. So he says it's wise to be slow to anger, but there's something, he says, even better than that. That is to be offended and overlook it. To be offended and forgive it. To be offended and extend mercy. Friend, the fact is, you don't have to respond to every offense. You don't have to set things right every time. Some of us are are so focused on that that we keep, at least in our minds, like we just have a debit sheet. Every offense. And we're going to set it right by going to that person. And you may even be biblically justified to do that, but you're not biblically required. That that, that offense has happened to you, but you could also choose not to address it, but to forgive it, to overlook it. It's costly to do so. It's a great mark of wisdom and maturity to overlook an offense, not to require every offense to be settled. The way of wisdom also speaks to how we relate to people around us who are consistently angry. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 says this, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. We should be careful of significant friendships we have with consistently angry people. Now, we certainly, as people who come to know Jesus Christ, we want to reach with the gospel neighbors and friends and co-workers who, who don't know Christ and who struggle with anger just like us. So we welcome in fellow strugglers. 
And we do commit and endure in relationship, but wisdom says we need to be discerning and careful because if, with, if I'm regularly around a circle of influence in my life who all just vent their anger freely, it won't be surprising if I do the same. Uh, yesterday afternoon, my, my wife Brandy and our daughter and son-in-law went to the uh, baseball, the Sox-Yankees game. It was a beautiful day. It wasn't raining like this. It was great. The game was going along. Three to nothing, the Sox, almost the entire game. So it was wonderful. Nice weather. The Sox are winning. You know, some jeering of the Yankee fans who were there. I mean, it was, it was really a great time. But then all of a sudden, in the eighth inning, the Sox blow the lead. And now the hated Yankee fans who are, who've infiltrated the building, so they, they start giving it back. And it goes back and forth, and it's friendly-ish. But also, there have been a lot of things consumed throughout the game, so, so the, the friendliness, you know, has its limitations. But what's interesting is that, you know, a few are yelling here, a few are yelling there, and a lot of sort of innocent bystanders are around them. But, but as it went along, more and more people sort of originally weren't joining in, but they start joining in, right? So he's jeering, I'll jeer. Uh, if you're near a window and you want to close the window a little bit, don't close it, but if, if like rain is getting you wet. If it's not getting you wet, we don't care if it gets the floor wet, but if you're getting soaked, feel free to lower it just a little bit. So just, just FYI. Don't get angry. Just okay. <laughs> so, uh, so there's jeering, but, but it's just more and more because it, it becomes contagious, right? Anger becomes contagious. And that's the warning here in the text is to be careful. If my closest friends have no interest in being careful with their anger, then I can easily adapt and friends, in light of this warning, it's at least worth considering, is it possible that this applies to you for others? Are there people in your life that if they followed this text, they should actually be careful of being with you too much because of your uncontrolled sinful anger? Why do we get angry for countless reasons? We feel disrespected. We feel inconvenienced. I don't get what I want. We feel wronged by another. So often it's, it's our pride, our comfort, it's our ego that's infringed upon, that's offended, that leads to our anger. And if we're honest and discerning, this is a daunting reality to explore. And so, friends, as Christians, we have the hope that we can look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, because he showed us the perfect way. We see in his life and ministry where he is opposed, he's mocked, he's doubted. And through it all, he never responded with sinful anger, always rightly directed anger. We see him exercise righteous anger, but he shows us how to be slow to anger and how to respond without sinning. So Jesus shows us the way, and then he goes to the cross, and he's put to death by people who are angry at him. And there on the cross, the sinless Son of God dies as a substitute, a sacrifice for sinners like us to purchase through his death and resurrection this free gift of salvation, forgiveness for all of our sinful anger transformation, adoption is God's own child, new life today and life eternal. 
And friend, if you're not a Christian, we're so glad you would join us today. We so want you to know this good news. The Christians are not people who've cleaned ourselves up. We're people who struggle with sin. We struggle with anger. But we have a Savior who is perfect, who's provided forgiveness for us, and who is at work changing us. We're not yet who we hope to be. But we're not as bad as we used to be. By God's grace, change is happening. And friend, if you're a Christian today, be mindful. We really can change. Friend, you can make progress in the fight against sinful anger. Because of the work of Christ, you don't have to be trapped in the patterns of anger that perhaps have marked your life, your entire life, maybe have marked your family for generations. You don't have to continue that. Friend, we can have hope because by God's grace, change can come in your life. The Spirit is at work within you, and the Spirit brings about His fruit. We call the fruit of the Spirit, and here's the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Anger is not on that list. So the Spirit is at work in you, and He progressively is bringing about this fruit, fruit like peace in your life, greater patience in your life, increasing self-control in you. And friends, we can freely ask this. It's a good thing to pray. God, would you today, would you just graciously, please, cause more of your fruit to abound in me? Would you today, Father, by the Spirit, cause self-control to increase in me, patience to grow in me, peace instead of anger to mark my life? And we see this wisdom throughout the New Testament. As we saw earlier in James 1, 19 and 20, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Friends, that's what we want to mark our lives, being slow to anger. Not quick, but slow. So friends, we see that God calls us, his people, to a different way of living. Not embracing unrestrained sinful anger, but instead choosing the path of wise restraint. So there are few ways that we could potentially respond today to this. First, friend, let's recognize the seriousness of anger. Recognize the seriousness of anger. Don't downplay it. Don't ignore it. See it for what it is. It's profoundly destructive. Second, friend, repent of it. That's what we do as Christians, right? We are a repenting people again and again and again. So we call it what it is. It's sin. I've been walking in sinful anger. I repent. I, by the grace of God, I turn away. I'm praying for God to change my heart and to change my mind, but I'm not willfully continuing in the road of habitual sin. Third, friends, begin to fight against sinful anger and for restraint with hope and by grace. Friends, have hope today. No matter what last week was like, no matter what last year was like, God is at work in you by the Spirit. You can make progress in this. Don't despair. Don't give up. You may have fought this in the past. Keep fighting. Fight with hope and fight by grace. It's not driven by your own strength. It's not based on your own willpower. The grace of God is at work within you, and He will, by the grace of God, He will help you make progress. In order to fight against it, you may want to read. And so a couple of the books I mentioned, one's called Untangling Emotions by Alistair Groves. It's on emotions in general, but one of the chapters uh, is on anger. 
second book called Good and Angry by David Pallison. I would commend both of those to you. Friend, I think you'll also be helpful if, if you imagine a different way. Just spend some time thinking, like, what, what would it look like if my life wasn't consistently marked by sinful anger? I mean, what if next month it wasn't, you know, destroying friendships? What if next month as a parent that it wasn't impacting my kids? What if next month my coworkers weren't in fear of my outbursts of anger? And how wonderful would it be? I mean, imagine if you're in a situation six months from now that today you would have responded in sinful anger and you would look back and you'd say, you know, by God's grace, I still have a long way to go. But six months ago, I would have responded in anger, but not today. Give thanks to God. God's at work with you. So imagine that, see that, that can happen in this life. And then friends, start taking, path, taking steps down this path. What does it look like to begin to make progress? So know yourself. When is it I get angry? What are the ways that I could plan ahead for that? Are there some ways that I could eliminate it? If, you know, like most of Boston, you get frustrated in traffic, and that's when we are prone to sinful anger. Well, we can't undo the traffic, but if I'm already late when I leave, and then I hit traffic, it's going to make me even more mad, right? But just imagine if I left early and planned that the road won't be completely clear, which it will never be except at like 3 a.m. So I assume there will be traffic. And I planned for that. And I'm able to get there in traffic, not angry, because I'm not late. Friends, we should know ourselves. What are our weaknesses? When is it that I'm greatly tempted towards anger? Friend, what would it look like if in your marriage, a fresh start, progress, instead of hurtful anger? Parents, you were taught some things about anger by your parents, some that they showed you, some that they told you. You can't help what you saw, but for now as a parent, we play a role, one, in what, we, what our kids see, and they see everything, in case you wonder, and they hear everything. So they see the way you respond in anger. So friend, be alert to that, know that, and also understand that we don't do our kids any good if we don't help them try to restrain their anger. We just let our kids blow their top consistently, and because it's just too exhausting to try to engage, we're not actually helping them. So we want to be alert to our own managing of anger, but also how we help our kids with it. And friends, let's remember the opportunity we have in an angry world to display lives that have been changed by grace. Friend, how distinctive might we be if we're showing godly restraint? In your workplace, when everyone else is blowing their tops in anger, what if you were different? Not because you're perfect, but because you're fighting this and growing by grace. What if when everyone else in the neighborhood association is blowing their top in anger, but you restrain? When other students are just railing on the professor in anger, and you choose to be Restrained. Friends, this is an opportunity we have to show the beauty, the hope, the distinctiveness of Christ. Not perfect people by any means, but a, but a changed people who are being changed. 
And friends, our angry culture needs hope. They need to see something different, that they're not destined to only be angry. And then finally, friends, as we live together as a church, let's be a place, one, that's safe for angry people to find hope and healing. So we open our doors wide to those who struggle with anger because the greatest need is Christ. So we say, we don't say, fix your anger and then you're welcome. We say, come in here. We all struggle with all sorts of sins. We want you to know the grace of Christ. But as a church, may we not be known as an angry church. Not known for our anger towards one another and not anger at the city. So may we be a source of restraint and calm. May we be willing at times to be angry at things. So as a church, yes, we we do. We must speak up in righteous anger at certain times. But let's be careful, discerning, and wise. Friends, in this angry city, we have an opportunity to live differently for the good of the city, for the good of our neighbors, even as we invite others into this freedom, this forgiveness that's found in Christ. And let's pray that would be so in our lives, in our families, in our church. As a means of response today, there are several ways to respond. One is the connection card. It's a part of your uh, worship guide. Maybe some ways that we could pray for you. We'd love to do that. You might want to talk more about this. We have a biblical counselor we'd love to re- recommend you to. So if you'd like to know more, you can fill that out. You can just drop it in one of the brown boxes on your way out or just leave it in your seat and the ushers will pick it up following the service. If you're watching it online, you could also fill that out as well. So we're going to bow our heads for a time of silent praying. Then I'll lead us in praying together and they're going to sing as a means of response. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we're thankful for the good news that we don't have to stay trapped in the patterns of sin that perhaps have marked our lives for years, that maybe have marked our families for generations. I pray today for some who've never placed their faith in Christ, that they might consider that good news, that free and full forgiveness, that new life that's found in him. And Father, for those of us who are Christians today who struggle with anger, we pray You'd protect us from condemnation. There is no condemnation for us in Christ. Protect us from despair. Protect us from the temptation to give up. But would you give us courage and hope to make progress, to pursue godliness, to grow in grace, that we might be a light in our city, a people changed and being changed. In Jesus' name, amen.